love this gospel. It's only in Luke, and it only comes up once every three years in the middle of Lent. This uh, reminds me of this, this story about the fig tree. My grandparents used to have a house in uh, East County, San Diego. Used to love to come visit them. And they, uh, I would go down there sometimes, and I was once sitting on the patio. This place overlooked a lake. Okay, So I was sitting there, and the neighbors next door had a fig tree. And they wondered why this fig tree, why they never had any fruit on it. So I was thinking about this this week with this gospel. I was sitting out there one evening. I don't know when figs come ripe. You know, uh, nobody on the staff likes them but me, so when you bring them, I eat them all. So, but that's great. I love figs. But I don't know when they ripen. But anyway, I was sitting out there. Figs grow really well in San Diego County. And uh, so they had this fig tree. And I was sitting on the patio reading with a light on, and I felt like I was being watched. So I turned the lights off, and I went back in the house and got a flashlight. And I'm flashing around out there, and it must have been, must have been, I don't know, I don't know when the season for figs is, but anyway, I was out there. I put my flashlight into that fig tree, and I am not kidding, there must have been 20 or 24 pairs of eyes that flashed back at me. And what it was? Raccoons were in that tree. <laughs> Two adults and a bunch of small ones, and they got every single fig on that tree. So I figured out what was wrong. So after that, these people who were only there part-time, they had a house in Palm Springs, so they, were, they weren't there. So uh, the next year, they picked the, they picked the fruit before it was ripe. So they could, that way, they kept their fig tree. And I was scared to, I was scared to death when I saw those eyes come staring back at me. I went, ah! <laughs> you know, I still remember that. But, you know, they found a way. That fig tree is, it, I, I think about that because Jesus is using current events in this gospel. It's a really unique gospel because people are, are talking to Jesus about things that have happened in the area. You know, the, neither of these is recorded in, in history, but they weren't that big of a thing. But they were like the current events of the day. And they come up to Jesus and they say, you know, there's this wall that fell. At, uh, actually, they came up to him and they said, what about this blood that Pilate took these people and they were, they were offering a sacrifice at the Jerusalem temple and, and, they, and somehow, for some reason, Pilate took them, had them killed, and took their blood and mingled it with his own pagan sacrifices. Talk about a defilement, you know. So here they are trying to offer worship to God, and they end up being defiled in death. And they said, well, are these people worse sinners than everyone else? And Jesus says, that's not true. Uh, and then he brings up another one. He talks about a, a tower that fell at the Pool of Siloam, which is a place you can visit. It's been discovered, uh, that actual site. It was a, a place of healing waters, and so it was doubly bad that people had died in a place like this, right at the city walls, you know, something, some kind of tower they were building into the, near the Pool of Siloam fell over and killed a bunch of people in a place that was supposed to be healing. Maybe think of Lourdes or something, when they had the flood a couple of years ago, where these people were sinners because they died in a place like this. And Jesus says, no, instead, you will all die the same way if you don't repent. In other words, you're asking the wrong question. It's not, why did this happen, but rather, what can I learn from this? It all, it's kind of like, um, if you ever go to the store, 
and there's like, I was there last week, I, I don't know what, when this was, but there were like eight checkers and nobody, nobody in line. I thought I'd died and gone to heaven. <laughs> but sometimes you're there and there are like lots of lines, like, I don't know, a Costco or someplace, and there's one with nobody in it. You think you've really lucked out, and you get there, and they're just checking out, and you put all your stuff in there, and then she pulls out some kind of a sheet, you know, that they have to either that or about 25 coupons or something, or, or there's one item that they can't, here goes the price check, and you're, you're standing there waiting and waiting and waiting, and then you find out why nobody was in line, and you think, was I the greatest sinner in Safeway that this had to happen to me? And I, this happens to me every, every time I go in there, so the only explanation is I'm not patient, and God keeps, try, keeps putting me through the same thing. Yeah, I know, Bill, that's what it is. What's your excuse, you know? But, see, the thing is, it's something to learn, is that God wants us to read the signs of the times and the signs of our lives. It's, uh, you know, we had a death this last week on Tuesday, and I, I, I look at it when I was young. Um, when somebody dies at 68, I thought, boy, that was, that was a person who had a long life. And now I look at it and think, boy, were they young. I don't know what happened that, that, that I would say that. But to me, whenever somebody dies, young or old, it's a sign. You can ask, why did, this, why, do we, why did I get cancer? Or why did I have a financial reversal when my neighbor made all the right decisions? Why is it that my children are struggling and somebody else's seem to be hitting one home run after the other? Why is it this? Why is it that? Why did I get the wrong line of Fred Meyer? You know, that kind of thing. That's trivial, isn't it? But it's the same question. Did I sin that God isn't answering this prayer? I've been praying about this illness for decades, and it hasn't been answered yet for my relatives or somebody's conversion. But the Lord says, you're asking the wrong question. And then he uses this parable of a, of a fig tree, which is something that was is very, you know, is something that a lot of people had in their yards. Uh, Jesus uses a fig tree on several occasions in using an example. And he says, you know, you know, a fig tree takes about three years from when you plant it before it'll start to bear. And if after three years you're getting only leaves, well, you didn't plant the thing for the sake of beauty. So what Jesus is saying is, learn a lesson from this. We're all in a garden. The Lord is the gardener. He's the one that planted the garden. It's his garden. We're the trees. We have our moment, and then we have to go. And while we're here, there is a purpose to our lives, and it is to bear fruit. We're not here to look pretty. We're not here to become a real big tree that everyone can, uh, can wow and look at. We're not here for our, own, for our own benefit, really. Ultimately, we're here because God has something for us to do. And it's not always something you can see. To bear fruit sometimes is just to be patient in line or... Uh, to be faithful to God when he doesn't answer our prayers right away. There is, everybody has a role to fulfill. One of the ways I look at this gospel is the, it's the, the story of the second chance. It's the story of having, uh, of having another year. Uh, some of us, God has granted people time. It looks like he's not doing anything, but in fact, he's giving people time so that they can repent. Not time to get wealthy, not time to get healthy, not time to go on one trip after the other, not time to just watch TV. It's time 
to repent, to, or time to have a life that's fruitful in one way or another. And there's so many ways to do that. It's just one person after the other or, or one situation after the other. So our Lord is just telling us that there's a time and a season. I looked at, I talked about my kale a number of times. I've never had kale that lasted all year before. I just get into the, I thought it, I thought it grew in the grocery store until I planted the darn stuff. Or you go down to you know, Easy Orchard someplace and get this stuff. And uh, I just, uh, it's finally coming to a head, no pun intended, but the stuff is finally fruiting, so I guess it's the end of the cycle. So what do you do? You pull it out and you start over, right? Um, we all have our moment. And in this year in particular, we have a leap year. We've all been given an extra day. What are we going to do with that extra day? Uh, personally, I wish they'd add it to August instead of February, don't you? <laughs> They take the worst month of the year and add a day to it. But, but, but we've been given the grace of an extra day, you know, an extra day of life. Think about that. Some people, the Lord says, they haven't borne fruit yet. And God says, let's fertilize them. Let's water them. Let's give them time. Let's see if they can recognize in the signs of the times that life is a gift, that I don't owe you anything, the Lord says. Instead, I'm waiting for you to acknowledge me before I give you everything in the next life. So it's, it's a time, I think, during Lent, first of all, to recognize how fortunate we are to be in, in this particular uh, field in which God has planted us, that we all have some role to fulfill in life. What is yours? What is mine? We all have something that God wants us to do, something to be, uh, things to grow in, uh, things to repent of, bad fruit to be get gotten rid of, and another season is beginning in which to grow. God has given each of us, please God, another year, in this year, another day, and we know now what it is God wants, and that is he's waiting for some fruit, because in the end, the fruit that we are giving to God, he's going to give back to us. He doesn't need it. It's for our benefit, that we'll have a life that's fruitful, not come to the end of it and find that we've wasted this precious, unique, and once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to give fruit to God. That's what Lent is all about. It's really about gaining a perspective about things. More than giving up things or adding things, we do that so that we can gain wisdom when we come to Easter and the rest of our lives. So in this, this haunting parable in which... Jesus, as God, has asked the question, why, and who hasn't asked that question? Instead, he says, don't look at that question. Instead, look at what am I saying to you? Look at the gift of life, and what am I called to bear fruit in in the coming year?